Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Okay, we're live. Today, we are talking about the biggest opportunities that exist in 2021. We're also going to talk about the opportunities you want to avoid like the plague. And I'm joined by the author of the soon-to-be best-selling book, Opportunity, Mr. Rob Moore. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Nick. Let's get let's get into the business opportunities, the big, big post-lockdown things that we can all leverage. And when it comes to opportunity, Nick, knowing what to say no to, we should talk about that because most people struggle with that. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive straight in. What do you see, Rob, as we sit here today, March 2021? What do you see as the biggest opportunities right now and in the immediate future? I would say um, online business models, definitely e-commerce, information. They are huge right now because you don't have massive overhead of premises. I would say the opposite of that is the high street has been really disrupted. So maybe that's an anti-opportunity. What you used to do on the high street, you now need to do online. Um, Amazon got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, didn't they, through the lockdown? So setting up your own coaching, consultancy, training business, information products, online courses, that is a massive opportunity. Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a huge opportunity. Today, I'll hit 200,000 followers in less than three months on Clubhouse. Yeah. So that's obviously a, a huge opportunity right now. I think coming out of lockdown, um, actually... Um, experiences, because I think we're all craving experiences, human experiences, you know, connection. So anything that gives us experience, I think entertainment's going to come back, you know, after lockdown. Many of these entertainment industries that, you know, have really suffered uh, and almost, um, you know, I remember hearing one person say that, well, you know, you, if you're in the entertainment industry, you better just reskill because it's not really a practical um, industry. And I just thought, what a load of nonsense. I think, um, you know, me- most people I speak to, they're hungry for connection. That's it. Anything that you can create community, connection, experience, information, education, these are all big opportunities. Yeah, great. And so you did, I think, very well, you and your business partner, Mark, in the last kind of recession. Um in a number of different areas, in property, in buying businesses. So like, what should people be thinking of? What should the mindset be? What opportunities should be they looking for now? And maybe you could just share some of what worked last time around, because I know you did really well then. Yeah, so um, there's the saying from Warren Buffett, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. There's the Walt Disney quote, observe the masses, do the opposite, which James Kahn, who mentored me, he kind of lives by that. So in the last recession, when there was a lot of fear in the market, which pushed the prices of property down 20 to 30 percent quite quickly, 
we were able to leverage that by doing the opposite of the masses, which was to actually um, increase our buying, make low offers, look at how we could add value to properties. Uh, and we did really well out of that. We bought 20 in the first year of the recession and 30 in the next year of the recession. Um, moving forward now, what can you learn from that? Well, I think there's still a lot of fear. I think that there's still a lot of concern maybe for you know spending money. I was talking to my friend, Ruben Singh, who um, owns All Day PA, and he said that um, there's a lot of latent savings um, because a lot of the money in the UK hasn't gone to travel or overseas. You know, people have maybe been a bit of hoarding mentality and there's this mass, there's these billions in latent savings. Yeah. So how if you can encourage people out of their fear, if you can show them opportunity, then I think that your products and services could sell really well out of this lockdown. I think that um, at some point the property market has got to correct. I was talking to my friend who used to be an ex-Man United player who's our watch dealer, Nick. You know, I know he deals for you. And he said, ah, Rob, you thought that the watch prices would come down through the pandemic. They've actually gone up a lot of them. Yes, they have. But they are going to come down at some point. So, you know, I think asset prices coming down, they've got to come down at some point. I've been very surprised at how they've been quite strong. But I don't actually wait for that. I still sort of try and buy through all the parts of the cycle, trade through all the parts of the cycle. So, you know, a big opportunity for us was to actually go global, not national. So we scale progressive global. We have a dozen or more online courses. We are now a global training company, whereas we were only really a national training company. Progressive built the UK, you know, my company Progressive became the UK's largest property training company. But I'd convinced myself, well, property is not really a, a global business. It's very regional. And, you know, business is good. And no one's going to fly from overseas to do our live events. And live events are always best because you've got the experience. So I would disrupt myself and go, how can you recreate a live e event experience online, which we're doing together at Your Expert Empires, Nick, coming soon? Um, and, you know, how can you disrupt your own thought process and your own limitations? So extra experiences, global opportunities, these are all upside benefits um, that the lockdown have, have kind of forced us into. And now we are a live events business in the UK and the global events business. We are both now, whereas we were only one before. Cool. Um, the new book, let's talk briefly about the new book. Got loads of other things I want to chat about here uh, on this episode, on this live. Um, first and foremost, what are people going to learn in that book that they might not have heard from you before on the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, on Facebook, if they're following you there, if they're a supporter of yours? What are they going to get in this new book opportunity that they've not heard from you before? So thank you, Nick. My new book, uh, which is pretty much out now, it's either pre-order or live, but either way you can get it, is called Opportunity seize the day, win at life. And what you'll learn in this book that you've not heard me share anywhere else, firstly is the opportunity is infinite and all around us. And there's the science and the quantum aspect. And then there's just the logical aspect. So the quantum aspect is that if you believe in the unified field um, and you believe in certain areas of quantum theory, past, present and future, or simultaneously present in the now, 
Um, and that there is a, an infinite and abundant amount of opportunities present in every nanosecond. But we just have to bring them into reality through manifestation, creation, opening uh, our mind to opportunities. You know, I'd give you an example. Let's say you're on Clubhouse and you're just chatting and you think, oh, well, there's not many opportunities for me right now. But you scroll down every profile. You hit every person. You added them on Instagram. You went onto their profile. You looked at their profiles. You realize you've got actors, celebrities, producers. I was in a room yesterday with people who produced the John Wick franchise despicable me and all these other big um you know movies basically you connect with them you reach out to them and you realize zero opportunities actually manifest in hundreds if you've got a thousand people um on a clubhouse room or a thousand people on a live you can't see any of them but then when you scroll you start to see them all come into reality so actually i argue that opportunity is abundant and limitless but we think it is scarce or we think there's a finite amount because we don't see it so I teach people how to train their mind to see abundant opportunity, number one. Then number two is how to actually create, manifest and forge it into a result. So you and I knew each other for years, Nick, before we actually partnered up. Why didn't we partner up for years? Well, actually, you changed your business model. You set up a new company of a, of a disruptive time for you. And you thought, I need to be more creative and disruptive. And you approached me in a very personal way. You started copywriting for me. Then we did this property super conference, basically made a million quid or top line revenue, and then created loads of opportunities together. And here we are. But that, the ability for that opportunity actually existed. But you had to go, I'm going to go and hunt it out. And you had to select me over other people. And then, of course, I come to you with opportunities as well the other way around. Um, and then big time is how to say no to the wrong ones. So business owners and entrepreneurs are pretty good at, at saying, yes, 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 yes. But actually, we can get stuck in the wrong partnerships, the wrong business models, doing too many things, being overwhelmed. How do you select the right opportunity for you? How do you know which one to delay, which one to delete and which one to de delegate to give to someone else? Um, so, yeah, I'll put a link in here because, Nick, right now, and you'd need to be quick on this because if you don't do this soon, once the book is live, I have to take these all down. But I've got a massive load of bonuses on robmore.com forward slash opportunity. Just shared the link. If you're listening, um, robmore.com forward slash opportunity. I have put the biggest bonus stack together I've ever done on books. And I'll be honest. Um, it was my pr the pressure from my um, publisher. They contacted me a couple of weeks ago. and said, Rob, we're launching your book. Uh, we'd like you to sell um, a zillion pre-order copies, please. And they didn't give me really any notice. So I've had to add more bonuses than I ever have for any book launch. And this is my 18th to really get the pre-order copies up. So robmore.com forward slash opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the bonus stack is ridiculous. We're not, we're not going to go into it here because we'd spend two hours going through everything you're bonusing in when people buy a copy of the book. But go to robmore.com forward slash opportunity. Take advantage of that opportunity to get these amazing bonuses from Rob. There's some seriously, like money can't buy shit in there. It's mental. Um, so if you listen to this on the Empire Builders podcast or indeed on the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast or you're watching us here live on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube, get yourself over to robmore.com forward slash opportunity. 
Rob, I want to talk a little bit about your launch strategy, if you don't mind. So um, I suppose we're kind of going a little bit meta on what we're doing here in some respects. So you helped me launch the Empire Builders podcast back in June 2020. It got to number one in business. Um, we did over a quarter of a million pounds in revenue within 90 days using your launch model. The launch model that we use for the podcast is pretty much the same as the launch model you use to launch your book, the launch model you've used to launch now 17 previous books and your podcast and similar to what we do with our events. So just explain in simple terms what that process is. What's the thinking that goes behind your launch model? I'll happily explain that, Nick. Um, a couple of things to add is We've refined this now and we've been doing this launch on Clubhouse and I've sold thousands more books just on Clubhouse. So anyone who grabs copies of my book at robmore.com forward slash opportunity, and I haven't offered this out publicly before other than to some of my friends and partners like you, Nick, what I'll do is I'll also give for free the new book launch model in light of adding the Clubhouse strategies and tactics. I sell sometimes thousands of books per room uh, in Clubhouse. So there is like a version 17.0. Version <laughs> 16.0, which is your question, is there's six stages to a really effective book or podcast or product launch. And it is, like you said, Nick, the same architecture. And, you know, I've studied people like Jeff Walker and, and, and I've adapted my own version, like I said, in version 16.0. So the six stages are pre-pre-launch, Pre-launch, open, close, waiting list, reopen. That's pre-pre-launch, pre-launch, open, close, waiting list, reopen. Um, and we're in pre-launch right now, Nick. The elements that make that effective and for you to sell on a viral scale are obviously a great offer, a great concept. So I believe opportunity is a great concept. I wanted to write a book that would last 100 years. Think and Grow Rich is 100 years old. But my book, Life Leverage, in 10 years, it will start to age. In and my book, Money, in 10 years, it will start to age. But this new book, Opportunity, will last 100 years because we'll all still want to create more opportunity. So I've written a book that lasts 100 years. So that's the good concept. Um, then um, you need scarcity, urgency, FOMO, and incentive. So scarcity, scarcity is either a limited supply or a limited time. So I'm not going to limit the amount of books I can sell because that would be counterintuitive. But I have got limits on all the bonuses at robmore.com forward slash opportunity. By the way, especially the bigger bonuses, I've some on some of them, I've only got one or two left. So make sure everyone goes there, um, even pause and, and go there and come back. So if there wasn't limited amount or limited time on the bonuses, everyone will go, oh, yeah, that looks good. I'll get it later. But, I mean, some of my bonuses are so big that I have to only offer three or four. Like, I'm sending to 109,000 database on one of the bonuses. Someone can be interviewed by me on my podcast on one of the bonuses. People have offered me 10 grand for that, Nick. And you know that. You know that world. Um, you, you know, and I've done that as one of the bonus packages. So bonus and incentive is huge. Um, and then scarcity and urgency. So once we go live on book launch day, Nick, many of those bonuses for pre-launch I'm taking away. I'm actually going to add a couple of new ones on book launch day. 
But then anyone who got the book previously, they'll get those for free because that's the new incentive. Because if I'm in pre-launch, I've got to give you an incentive. Well, I don't have to. If you love the book, you love the book. But if I give you an incentive to buy the book in pre-launch, you're more likely. And then if I launch and give you another incentive, you're either more likely to buy if you didn't or you're more likely to buy again. So um, scarcity, urgency, FOMO, incentive, uh, they are the four core elements within the structure of pre-pre-launch, pre-launch, open, close, waiting list, reopen. Now, I don't do waiting list on a book because <laughs> it's kind of overkill. You, you might on a, you know, a two grand course. But what I will do, I will do pre-launch on the current bonus stack. And then when we go to launch day, I'll pivot into audio book and add new bonuses. So the old bonuses will go and the new bonuses will come out. Amazing. Um that just that last five minutes or whatever it's been talking about launch strategy, you're going to want to pause, go back, listen again, take notes. I've been taking notes. That in a few minutes was how Rob has successfully launched 17, soon to be 18 international best selling books. It's how he's launched his two very successful podcasts. And I modeled his podcast launch model using the exact same structure that he just shared. It's actually pretty much the same, I suppose, the same loose structure that we used, Rob, for the Property Super Conference, where we sold over 1,400 tickets, sold, not a free event, paid event, 1,400 tickets in, I think it was like a few weeks. We sold over 800 in like 48 hours. It was absolutely ridiculous. And did, as you mentioned earlier, nearly just shy of a million pounds in top line revenue on that event all thanks to the structure that Rob just shared. So yeah, definitely listen back to that, make some notes. Uh, and of course, get yourself over to robmore.com forward slash opportunity to get your copies, plural, get advantage or take advantage of a lot of those bonuses. Um, Nick, before you move into the next question, I'm getting yes. a lot of comments here. So I want to thank um, Britta, Andrew, Kent, Agnes, Lena, Jane, Soraya, Darren, Andy, for getting copies. I mean, there's loads, but I could only bring them up. Someone has asked, is it on Kindle? Yes. Someone has asked, is it on Audible? Yes. And if you just go to robmore.com forward slash opportunity, there all the options are there. You get a choice to buy either um, paperback or Audible for one copy. For the bigger bonuses, you need to buy the physical copies for now. Um, but, you know, on launch day, you can also buy on Audible. But, of course, you can't buy multiple copies on Audible. Um, so, therefore, I can only um, – I can't do multiple copy bonuses on Audible because you can only buy one. But, yeah, buy both. A lot of – 35% of my audience buy both. Interesting. And, by the way, that's a good reason for anyone who's written a book, writing a book, to publish on both because 35% of people statistically, Rob says, will buy both. Oh. And he's got a data to back that up. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? A lot of people like to listen and track reading. A lot of people who are my fans and supporters over the years, and I just want to say thank you to you all. I'm so grateful. They'll buy both to support me. Um, and then because we give different bonuses away for each one, some people just get them for the, the strength of the bonuses. We Michael just ordered five copies. Thank you, Michael. You're a legend. Um, we're talking a lot about well, we have talked a bit about opportunities that are coming in the current climate. 
What's the biggest opportunity that you missed out on? Oh, definitely going global earlier. I mean, you know, I was, I don't know, was I definitely wasn't complacent and I definitely wasn't comfortable, Nick, but I probably just didn't disrupt myself enough. You, are, you and I are in a, a high-level peer mastermind, and some of our friends in that mastermind embraced automation in terms of events, virtual summits, and running online events globally quicker than me. And I probably should have done that three years ago. So that and investing in Apple in the 90s and investing in crypto in 2012. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, I am I know Nolan Bushnell. I interviewed him for my podcast, Nick, and Steve Jobs offered him half of Apple for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> so when was that? Um, oh, it would have been in the 90s, I guess. Um, I mean, I mean, what would that be the equivalent to in real value today? Probably half a trillion. <laughs> so so what, what that means is, as bad as you're feeling about yeah. not buying uh, crypto in whatever, 2012, 2013, you don't feel as bad as he does. No. About no. That. But I I that it's important to say that Everyone misses out on some opportunities. Like yeah. you can't say yes to everything. You already mentioned that. And so actually I think being okay with that and accepting, look, I'm not going to capitalize on every single opportunity. I'm going to miss out on some and that's okay because we're human. And of course we've got to make in the moment decisions. I think it's okay. You've got to accept that that is reality. Um, a lot of people say that luck, the definition of luck is when, preparation meets opportunity what are what are your thoughts on that i think that's actually quite a good definition often a lot of these common sense quotes they're they're not good for disruptive entrepreneurs because remember observe the masses do the opposite but you do have to prepare for an opportunity you have to be able to forge time and space you have to have resources and assets to leverage it you know, um, let's say you got an opportunity to run your expert empires, but you had no database and no followers. You had no money to hire speakers. Then you're not going to be able to implement that opportunity. So, you know, I've um, I buy I bought um, uh, Ferrari Testarossa. I found a brilliant one, twelve thousand miles, which is virtually nothing. A great price. There's the opportunity. I have to seize it and take it. Um, my watch dealer gets good deals on watches. I have to be ready to take it. I have to be liquid and, and have the cash ready. So I think that you prepare for the opportunity by one, being ready yourself. Two, not sitting on the fence and, and actually making it happen. And then three, getting access to resources to then leverage that opportunity. I'd say that. So, um, you know, I, I like. I do believe there's chance and serendipity and randomness in the universe. At least, even if there isn't, it is beyond the scope of our own imagination and mind. But I don't like to believe in luck because if you believe in luck, you take responsibility away from yourself. If you say, oh, Nick's lucky, that means I'm not. That means I don't do anything to forge and create luck. So whether we're right or we're wrong doesn't matter because... Our brain doesn't understand um, 
imagination versus reality. So we create our own reality with our own imagination. So I imagine I'm not, I imagine I'm lucky because I create my own luck. And even if that's a delusion, I create my own luck because I filter my mindset accordingly and I claim everything that created as me making it happen and being responsible instead of luck. So yeah, for me, preparation is getting the resources and the assets ready and then opportunity, well, preparedness plus opportunity plus implementation. Probably got to add that in because you've got to then go and implement it, make it happen, chase it, choose it. Yeah, leverage. I, I think we you mentioned briefly earlier as well, Rob, you, you and I are in a kind of peer-to-peer -peer mastermind kind of group um, with a lot of other kind of um, high-level business owners, entrepreneurs, mostly UK-based. And for me, there's been more opportunities that have come out of that network, that connected base than, than probably anywhere else ever. So I think there's definitely, a, when, when the definition of luck is when preparation meets opportunity, I think part of preparation is peer group. It is the people you surround yourself with because I think when you put yourself in those environments, you create the odds of you getting a great opportunity show up in your in your world are far, far greater. Think about it. Every opportunity you've ever had has been created in some way, shape or form by another human being. 100%. So relationships. Yeah, 100%. Um, you've talked a bit about Clubhouse. I know it's like your favorite topic, so it would be remiss of me to do this interview, this episode, and not talk about it. What what opportunity do you see there? Or maybe we should also talk about what risks do you see there? What are the potential downsides of Clubhouse or platforms like Clubhouse? The main um, downside of Clubhouse is divorce possibility. <laughs> That's the main one. No. Um... Right. Everything has an upside and a downside. The opportunity in Clubhouse is the virality of the growth, the, the breadth and depth of the connections, you know, the amount of amazing American and Australian and Asian connections you and I have made, Nick, that we wouldn't make here in the UK in 10 years because, you know, we're kind of um, this little island. And I know there's the Internet and things, but. You and I, before Clubhouse, I bet if we looked at our database, it'd be 85 to 90% UK audience. Yeah. And I bet you now there's probably 80% global audience. So the opportunity is the global reach, the connections. I'm connected with some amazing connected celebrity um, powerhouse people on Clubhouse. So that's definitely the opportunity. I think. Um, Obviously, getting more followers, more fans, more engagement in a new social media platform that people are excited about and spending a lot of time on. Uh, I, I have been, Nick, in the last two weeks, I've been offered goodness knows how many deals, sponsorships, being paid to sit in rooms, paid to go into rooms with other people, sign an NDA for one, so I can't talk about that. And I didn't get these opportunities before. My clubhouse has grown my Instagram significantly and I've got uh, three deals I'm in talks with at the moment about sponsorship and, in, and brand deals on Instagram, which never happened before. So those things are all 
And there's loads more opportunities as well, Nick. Um, downsides or challenges of Clubhouse is um, if you spend too much time on it, you might get yourself addicted. And I do tend, I'm an addictive personality. So my WhatsApp has gone crazy and at, at times it's a bit too overwhelming. Um, maybe it distracts you from your business and your other things and you've just got to compartmentalise your time. Let me let me ask you, I was interviewing Ed Milet, um last week, week before. I know Ed, yeah. For the Empire Builders podcast, you've interviewed Ed, you know Ed, um, you know that he's spoken at one of my previous events as well. He, he, we spoke briefly about Clubhouse and his concern was that it's creating too much access to experts, speakers. Um, it's like you ma it makes you too accessible. And, you know, of course, you know, the more scarce something is, the more valuable it tends to become. So what do you think about that? Hmm. So someone said to me the same thing. They said, oh, if you're on Clubhouse all the time, does that devalue your brand? <sighs> Look, there's a downside to everything. So I'm not going to sit here and go, that's wrong. But the same person might be doing weekly podcasts, weekly Facebook lives, weekly YouTube videos. So they, you know, they may be out there on all the other platforms. A lot of people who are talking downsides or dissing Clubhouse, I think that that's coming from a place of they haven't figured it out yet. Um, the 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 answer is possibly yes, but I mean I know, I'm really good friends with Michael Jackson's ex bodyguard for ten years. And when Michael Jackson was promoting something, he'd be anywhere and everywhere. And anywhere he went, he would intentionally get the press chasing him and all over him. But then he'd get to a point once he'd finished promoting and maybe between albums, he'd go into hiding. So I actually think a smart play is to go everywhere, be everywhere, be seen and talked about by everyone. Like when you're promoting something. And then when you feel a bit commoditized or people are valuing you less, pull back. I definitely at times have felt like my supporters or my fans take me for granted because they get content from me every day. And when I feel that, a bit of entitlement or lack of engagement, I'll just back off for a bit. Like I don't do that many lives now on Facebook, Nick, because I, you know, for that reason. Um, but while I'm growing my, because the, the thing I don't think was said by Ed, but I wasn't there and I'm not judging Ed, I'm just answering your question. I think Ed is great. But when you're building something up, you need to be prolific, don't you? You need to be out there. And so when I start to feel like my brand's not really growing on Clubhouse anymore, the reach, the impact and the engagement is really slowing down, then I'll pull back. Like I have a bit more on Facebook, for example. Um, but we're, we're still really in that, uh, you know, they call about the, the hockey stick growth. Yeah. Well, we're sort of having a bit of a dip. And, and I don't know, I just think it's a lot more growth. I mean, you could argue both sides, but when bands and musicians and artists have got an album coming out or it's out for months you're hearing their song on the radio all day every day but no one because no one's going oh i'm listening to this song too much yeah i think i think from, it depends also largely what your business model is as well and you know for, for me as you know um you know i'm historically and 
when we're out of lockdown again, will be big on live in-person events. We're doing virtual at the moment. So we've got a big virtual expert empires global event coming up next month. And for me, Clubhouse is a great way for me. Somebody just commented and said, surely it's about building no like and trust. Clubhouse is a great way for me to build no like and trust with people that did not previously know, like, trust me. And therefore, they're more likely to then attend one of my live events. And I don't think with the best will in the world, I can create the same experience on Clubhouse that I can in a live event. I know straight away that what I love about Clubhouse is the conversational nature. So Rob, you and I are on there all the time. We're debating, we're discussing. Sometimes we disagree, it's fun. It's interesting for people to listen to, but it's not very often that somebody will attend a room on Clubhouse and see 60 minutes of deep dive content on one specific strategy or tactic. And there's no visual support to it either. And there's, so there's a lot of things you can't get there that you can in, in my case, live events, or that you can't get in a podcast, or that you can't get in uh, the written book which of course is what we'll talk about here, your new book, which is due out very soon called Opportunity. So I think because it is quite a unique, different platform, it's audio only, it tends to be conversational rather than monologue. I think it's different enough that you can still create other experiences that can't be replicated in there. That's my thought. Um, and I haven't been anywhere near as prolific as you or some of the other people that have gone really aggressive on Clubhouse. Um, I've put what I always call an appropriate amount of time and energy into it. For me, I think that's the key for anybody, put an appropriate amount for you. And that's going to depend largely upon what stage in business you are. Currently, it's going to depend upon the size of your audience currently. It's going to decide upon your personal life and what other um, responsibilities you've got and other roles that you play personally. Those are my thoughts on it. Um, do, do you think if someone was listening to this episode on the Empire Builders podcast or Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast or watching on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and they're not yet really in Clubhouse, they're not, maybe they're on it, but they're not using it. They're not really actively, aggressively building the following. You think it's too late? What stage of that hockey stick curve do you think we're at at the moment? Oh, I still such early days. Like, I think Clubhouse started about a year ago properly. And the people who got in really early, some of them have got two, three, four million followers. It's so early. Well, one thing I'd say, um, we don't really talk about this stuff much, Rob, because we've got a lot of other things that we talk about. But uh, like I bought, um, I, I'd, I'm not, I wouldn't really class myself as an experienced investor, but I bought, um, a bit of crypto in, it wasn't early, early. Um, it was probably when Bitcoin was about, I think it was probably about $5,000 a coin. Um, and it went up to about 15,000. And then it started to kind of like stutter and it actually dropped a bit. And I went, ah, bubbles burst. I got out. And I think Clubhouse is probably at that same point now. It's at that, it's not like crypto in 2012. It is. It is, well, mate. Or maybe it is. But you even, and I, Nick, even if 
a little bit later on, there's still so much future growth that we haven't experienced yet. So I think I think there's I still think you're right. I think we're early. How early we are, we probably have a slightly different opinion on. But so I do think we're really early. It's only been going a year. Yeah. And most most people joined sort of December, January, February. It went from sort of one to two to five to ten million plus users. Ten million users. Facebook has got two billion users. It is so early, so early. That's why I decided to go a bit more all in because I figured if I could get a really good following really early, I'd get that compounding and that momentum. So, look, mate, I'm not asked about talking people into coming into Clubhouse. It's like do or don't. And I'm not really into convincing people whether it will devalue their brand because I bet you people who are saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it commoditizes your brand. How many hours of videos have they done on YouTube? How many hours of TikTok videos have they done? I, I just think usually that's people who don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's one of many. Look, the, the topic of today's discussion is opportunities. What are the biggest opportunities right now? And obviously we've talked about that one quite a lot. I, I do agree. I think it is early on. Whether it becomes as big as something like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, who knows? I suppose that's the that's the punt you're taking, isn't it? By investing your time, you go, look, it could collapse and end up being nothing. And then that time was wasted. But nah, wasted. let me jump in there, Nick. Yeah, let me finish my point. But it wouldn't have been wasted because you're still building, you've still got the relationships, the following that will move elsewhere. So you already said your Instagram's exploded. Mine's grown a lot as well as a result of it. So I think there's... Regardless of what happens in future, there's still good value in putting the time in now. And of course, the, the possibility is that it does grow massive uh, in the future. And, and those that got in early will be the ones that get the majority of the benefit. Why would you not try it? I mean, I bet everyone watching and listening, like me and probably like you, Nick, felt like, oh, imagine if we'd have got into Instagram early, YouTube yeah. early, Facebook yeah. early. Um, podcasts early we all felt that yet yeah, we're in clubhouse early and loads of people are going on and you know whatever i don't know i just i used to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to do things that i thought would work for them and now i'm like well if they're not really interested they're not really interested i, I, I won't try and convince them but might clubhouse die yes might clubhouse go massive yes if you've de-risked by i mean we're getting about three new podcast clients a week for our agency, selling thousands of books on it. We've done more than 100 grand in trickle-down revenue from it. I'm getting offered left, right, and center brand and sponsorship opportunities. So if Clubhouse ends today and I lose my 200,000 followers, it's still been worth my time. And I tried it, and I didn't regret trying it because at least I tried it. But what if it goes big? What if it goes viral? Imagine, yeah, what if? I think that's the mindset. But forget Clubhouse for a minute. This is the mindset of somebody who finds, seeks, identifies opportunities, takes them and succeeds. And if you've got that sceptical, it'll never work attitude, it doesn't matter. The biggest opportunity in the world could land on your doorstep and you wouldn't even see it. Yeah. I used to wait for other people to go out there and make mistakes. 
And I used to be a bit scared of new technology. I've got to figure out how it works. I might fail at it. Not anymore. And by the way, on Clubhouse, um, my Instagram has not only grown nearly 100%, nearly doubled. But um, I've also picked up so many tips on how to be better on Instagram because there's a load of Instagram influencers there. I just, um, I've been, I, I spoke to Lewis Howes and Alex Dempesky a couple of times in clubhouse rooms. Alex has got 12 million followers on TikTok. I, I mean, I, you know, I've known who Lewis Howes is for years and only thanks to clubhouse have I talked to him and you knew him and we've never been connected yet clubhouse got me talking to him and they both were like, big on TikTok. So I decided to do a, a TikTok video a day. And in the last three days, I've had over 250,000 views on TikTok. In three, wow. well, yeah, just about, maybe, a, maybe a, you know, a few thousand less, but between 200 and 250,000 in the last three days. Now, by the way, for the first three months, it was like a few hundred a day, a few hundred a day, a few hundred a day. That all came from Clubhouse. I'm doing YouTube shorts. That all came from Clubhouse, all the sponsorships and the endorsements all came from Clubhouse. So when you get really big on something, like I am really big on Clubhouse, I say it with humility, but um, when I first checked the rankings, I was 94th highest followed person on Clubhouse in the world. That just grows all your other opportunities. I, I, I'm getting people with one and a half, two, three million followers on Inst Instagram wanting to interview me. Never happened before. You just mentioned about TikTok and how you've been doing it for a few months. Um, and at first it was like a grind and you're only getting a little bit of exposure and you're not really getting any engagement. People aren't really watching. And then all of a sudden, of course, now because you've been sticking at it and doing it consistently, the word that we always use when we're talking about building, um, building a profile on any platform is consistency. Um, you know, same with your podcast, knocking out episodes. You know, I've done a podcast episode a week, every single week for the last, whatever it's been since June or whatever. Um, and that's that's like hard for me. It's not something that comes naturally. You're doing a TikTok a day, it's consistency. Um, what, why do you think people struggle with that? Why do you think they, so many people, I'm willing to bet, Rob, there are so many people that have gone on TikTok or launched a podcast or YouTube or whatever, and they've said, I'm going to do an episode a week, or I'm going to do a TikTok a day, or I'm going to do a, a YouTube episode a week. And they do it for a while and then just give up. What, why do you think that is? Interest versus commitment. Simple. If you're interested in something, you'll fart around with it. If you're committed to something, you'll get it done. So I think you need to create accountability. So I set up a WhatsApp group, TikTok video a day, put a few of us in it and said, I'm doing a TikTok video a day. And then I got my team on it and I said, we, we cannot miss a, day, miss a day. And so I created accountability. Consequences of inaction. Um, and, you know, now that you're live on your podcast, Nick, I know sometimes, like us all, cre creating consistent content at volume is hard. But now that you're committed, you're paying our agency, you know, you know you have to do an episode a week, otherwise you'll get a, a massive hit on your downloads. You're committed now not just interested. So I committed to a TikTok video a day. I commit to two podcasts a week. I commit to a clubhouse room a day. I, I tell everyone about it. I create external accountability. Um, and that's really what I'm doing with my bonuses. Um, I, rather than being interested in my book opportunity, I'm getting you committed by giving you bonuses that far outweigh the um, cost of the book. 
Nick, I have to go. We've done like half an hour more than we were going to do. Um, <laughs> it's all good, mate. It's all good. Listen, um, if, you've, if you've enjoyed this episode, you've been watching this on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, get yourself over to robmore.com forward slash opportunity. There is an absolutely ridiculous stack of bonuses when you buy like one copy, but you really should buy five, 10, 50. I don't know what the bonus stacks are, but like if you if you buy like 100 plus, you're going to get some serious access to Rob and some bonuses that literally ordinarily money can't buy. And if it could, it'd be a fortune. So um, highly recommend you get over to robmore.com forward slash opportunity. Thank you, Rob Moore. I've enjoyed this. We've done a lot of stuff together before, but I think this is our debut um podcast interview i don't think we've done a podcast interview before so uh maybe this will be the first of many 100 percent. anyone listening make sure that you subscribe to nick james podcast um empire builders great podcast um and obviously nick and i work together in many things i am um, he runs great events you should definitely try and check out getting at any of his expert empire events they're pretty exclusive um, but, you know, make sure that you go and find your way on to getting on a waiting list for his events. And my podcast is The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So Empire Builders with Nick, Disruptive Entrepreneur with Rob. I interviewed Floyd Mayweather um, week before last. Ben Francis of Gymshark coming uh, soon. So remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.